Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's daily podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready & Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Hello, everyone. Apologies for the delay. Um, my name is Rebecca Chen, and I'll be conducting the conference for today. Uh, Shruti, can you start our first question? Yes, Rebecca. Kavish? Hey, hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much. So I am presently on, you know, uh, EAD, H4 EAD, and I'm, an, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not employed. So I engaged a consultant for H1B registration. I submitted all my documents, signed the consent form. And you know what, but despite multiple attempts, he never followed up, never shared the receipt number. So subsequently, I contacted another uh, consultant whom we proceed together. He filed H-1B registration and uh, recently informed that uh, the visa was selected in lottery through the second mm-hmm. consultant. However, I'm concerned about the, you know, the possibility that the first consultant may have also filed the application, but still he's not picking the call, not replying on the emails. So what steps should I take in this circumstance? And is it possible for any attorney to file Freedom of Information Act? Uh, you know, to request to determine if any additional uh, applications. So for the first company that you talked about, did you provide them with your passport? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passport, consent form, signature, everything. Yeah, unfortunately, there isn't a way for you as an employee to determine who um, registered you in the H-1B lottery. Um, You can try a FOIA request um, and you can file one Yourself, you don't need an attorney to do it, but um, I am not aware of whether FOIA requests have successfully come back for employees requesting information on the number or details of registrations for them personally. Um, actually, I think Stephen Brown in our office is happens to be on the call. Um, Stephen, hey, do you hey, Rebecca. To know? Mm-hmm. I haven't done one. I'd be... I, I think, I mean, I think it might be worth a shot. I just, I can't say I've done one or heard of anybody right. doing a FOIA for um, uh, yeah. registration data on an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, which is difficult because, um, yeah, like it affects the employees, but there's no way for um, anyone besides the employer and the attorney to log into the actual registration portal and um, be aware of the registration status of any employees. So you can try a FOIA request, but um, yeah, unfortunately, like we said, we um, we haven't really heard of that being successful um, in the past, but it's worth a try. Okay, and should I proceed with the second one? I probably would not. Um, if you have a feeling that there were multiple registrations submitted on your behalf this year, um, I probably would play it safe and wait until next year and only register with 
the company that you're working for next year. Okay, okay um, no, but next question. Sorry, we're not on. Uh, hello, Rebecca. Hi. Yeah, um, I'm currently on my OPT, first year OPT. I got my H1 picked for second uh, second lottery this week. But okay. the company which filed for my OPT, I got layoff from that company and currently working for a different company. So is there a possibility that can I file the H1 petition through my new company? Unfortunately not. You can only have the H1B filed for you through the company that registered you in the lottery. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, if they, you don't have to be working for the company right now, but the company needs to be willing to file the application for you. So if, if, you know, you've spoken to them and it doesn't seem like there's any way for, for them to rehire you or um, to bring you back on, then um, unfortunately you wouldn't be able to use that selection. Okay. And along with that, like one of my friend, uh, he got the H1B selected and uh, got his petition approved. He got his H1 selected in first round and H1B petition is already approved. But the company where he is working, uh, there are like chances where he can get layoff. Like there are multiple positions they are laying off. Almost like 13,000 people has already been laid off. And he's been informed by his manager like there are possibilities that he may be uh, laid layoff in couple weeks or couple months so in case if he gets layoff before october 1st so will it cause um, any issue to his h1 yeah um because if he doesn't if he's not working for the company when the h1b goes into effect on october 1st then he will not be considered counted in the cap if the company withdraws the h1b prior to october 1st okay um we'll have to go on to the next question Thank you. Ravina. Hi, Rebecca. Um, Hi. I'm, I'm actually on separation with my husband and my parents came to visit me for a period of six months. Can they go back to India and uh, if they want to come back to US, what should be the gap for their next visit? Or is there any form that I can apply for them to stay for a longer period, uh, mentioning about my current situation and everything? So there isn't any clear amount of time or rule for how much time you spend outside the U.S. before you can try to come back in as a visitor. If they have a 10-year visitor visa in their passport, technically that enables them to apply for entry as a visitor at any time during that 10-year period. But whether they will be admitted at the border as a visitor is never guaranteed. It is always up to the officer that they encounter at the border and whether that officer is convinced that they are only coming in for the period of a temporary stay. So it's going to be based on a number of factors. If they have recently been in the U.S. for a full six-month stay um, and you know are coming back within one or two months, the officer is going to ask, what is the purpose of your visit? And they need to have, you know, a clear reason why they're coming in for a temporary visit. There should be, you know, some kind of reason that they're coming in now so soon. If their intention is not to stay here, to live in the U.S. long-term, yeah. why are they back so soon? 
can i extend the uh, stay period over here through any form or it's anything? not recommended unless there's some sort of also some sort of clear situation some clear reason you can file an i-539 form for a b2 extension but uh it's not recommended unless there's some sort of like medical emergency or I mean, we filed a lot of B2 extensions in 2020 due to flights being unavailable and travel being unsafe in you know the middle of 2020 because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, if there isn't some sort of clear reason why they need to extend their visit, then I wouldn't recommend filing the B2 um, because it could lead to um, their B2, B1, B2 visa and their passport being canceled because most likely they will need to depart the U.S., before that I-539 application can be approved because of the processing time of the I-539 is usually longer than six months. And if they depart before it's approved, uh, on future visits, CBP officers could consider that an overstay, even if they have the receipt notice. In some cases, consulates have canceled the visa because the consulate sees it as an overstay. They may not have, you know, records of the I-539 being filed. Um, so unless it's absolutely necessary, I would not recommend filing the B2 extension. Okay. okay. Thank you. Question? Question? Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, my question is, uh, I have applied my dependents H4 under me, under my H1B and uh, uh, with employer A and got their I-7 and 7 valid till October 2024. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, I have joined employer B and uh, unfortunately, I have been laid off. Uh, and after the uh, on on twentieth May, uh, actually, so after that, after ten days, we all applied for H four for me and for my dependents under my spouse H one B. And now my uh, I have been selected with employer C, and my H one B got approved after the grace period. So, mm-hmm. so now my situation is that I am going to withdraw my H four. And my question is, uh, can the my dependents I seven and seven, which is valid till October twenty twenty four? Yes, with that's fine. Yeah. Um, when you said that you are withdrawing your H four, do you mean that you personally filed a change of status from H one to H one B due to the you know layoff? Yes, that's correct. From H one B to H. Okay, but uh, it's H1. no longer needed because yes, successfully transferred to employer C on H one B. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Then in that situation, um, yeah, your family's um, H4s, the I-797 that's valid until October 2024, even though that was issued based on, you know, two employers ago, um, as long as you are in valid H-1B status, say their H-4 status is still valid because the H-4 isn't company specific. Um, So, they are okay to remain in the U.S. in H-4 status until October, uh, until yeah, October 2024. Um, mm-hmm. Before October 2024, they either need to file an H-4 extension um, before then if they don't travel, or if they do travel, um, then you know they can get the visa stamp and come back in, and they should get an I-94 at entry that matches your most recent H-1B approval, which is valid until I guess 2026. Okay, when I when I take a US, US visa stamping either in Mexico or Canada, uh, I can just straight away go and you know uh, get the visa stamp, right? No need of applying for one more extension for them. 
You mean for your family, if they want to apply for the H-4 visa? Yes, that's fine as long as they are departing the U.S. before October 2024. Okay, got it. Thank you very much. Sure. Mirish? Yeah, hi. Uh, Yeah, my question is, uh, my employer uh, revoked my H-1B visa uh, by accident. And uh, after four months, we came to know about it. And uh, once we came to know about it, uh, they filed for H-1B and H-4 extension immediately. And uh, USCIS has approved it. Okay. Uh, but uh, will the four months of out-of-status remain on my record forever? That was my question. Uh, let's see. On the most recent approval, um, so they didn't backdate that approval, I assume, to cover that oh, four-month gap? No, the revoke happened yeah. in March, April this year, and uh, the approval came from July onwards. Okay. Okay. Um, so it is considered out of status time, but I would say it's, well, that's kind of hard. Um, it is at least limited since the H-1B extension eventually got approved. Um, I would probably recommend if you can um, at some point to just travel outside the U.S. and come back in. Um, that will sort of reset any anything that might have occurred with the um, four-month gap. So basically, for example, even if you're still a long way off from being able to file the I-485 adjustment of status application, basically the rule for the I-485 is that USCIS looks at whether you've been maintaining status since your most recent entry. So it's from your most recent entry forward, whether you're maintaining status that USCIS is usually always interested in. So if you, now that you have a valid approval, if you depart and come back in and just maintain status from there forward, then that prior four month gap, it's still there. And if you go and apply for a visa stamp or if you apply for an I-485 in the future, you still need to disclose it, um, but it won't have an effect on, you know, an adverse effect since it was less than six months. And if you've traveled since then, that kind of resets everything. Do you recommend I have to complete the travel within the six months? Um. It might be better to travel sooner rather than later. Um, I mean, I don't think, since you have the H-1B approval notice that you got has the I-94 attachment at the bottom, right? That's correct. It's uh, valid till 20. Okay, yeah, if it has the I-94 attachment at the bottom, then actually it's not that necessary that you travel within those six months because the I-94 basically restores your status. You just want to kind of travel to kind of make sure that it's reset. Sure, thank you. And H-4 EAD, can I still reuse the same one? H-4 EAD, we did not reapply yes. because it has Yeah, so the H-4 and EAD, those individually did not get withdrawn, right? Only your H-1B was withdrawn? Oh, sorry. I think you got muted again. Um, basically, if the H-4 and EAD were not withdrawn individually, then um, now that you are restored to H-1B status, the H-4 and EAD are valid. So your wife can continue using those. Um, next question. Hi, sorry. I can't hear you very well. Hello. Hi, go ahead. That's yeah, clear. So, uh, 
I've already posted my question in case uh, if you have mm -hmm. a look at it. If I'm not okay, so um, back in 2012, when you were selected in the lottery, you said you did get the visa stamp from the consulate based on that H-1B that was selected in the lottery? Yes, that's correct. Okay. But you never joined the company because there wasn't a project at that time? Yes, yes, okay. that is true. Okay. Um, yeah, as long as you got the visa stamp from the consulate, um, that is considered counted in the cap. So if you have another offer now from a U.S. company that's willing to file your H-1B application, you don't have to go through the lottery with them. They can file it for you at any time. Um, make sure to include a copy of your prior visa stamp in the H-1B application that they file, and it would be filed with consular processing. Um, but once it's approved, you would need to go get the visa stamp from the consulate, and then you could come into the U.S. Okay, yeah, I, I do have the, the petition, uh, the hard copy of the petition, and the visa stamping is part of the uh, the passport that was already expired. But yes, That's I fine. do hold it. Yeah, I do have that. So I, I just have to find an employer who's willing to sponsor me or mm -hmm. reinitiate this visa processing. Is that correct? If I yes. understood it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But uh, since it's 10, it, it, has, it is 10 years past It's now. fine. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, as long as you were considered counted, which the mm -hmm. visa stamping your passport is oh, proof okay. of being counted. Um, so in the next H-1B application that this new company would file, you'll need to include a copy of your old passport that has the visa stamp in it. Also, of course, include a copy of your current valid passport. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Thank you very much. Sure. Hello. Hi, go ahead. Yeah, um, my I-765 has been denied yesterday and the case has been closed. Like uh, there is only chance uh, for the right to motion. So what are the chances uh, of uh, me me getting the RTM? Um, what was the reason for the denial? So the uh the given time in i have not applied that in the given time it was 30 days but i have applied on the 31st day it was delayed by one day okay yeah um by chance was the the exact 30 days did it fall on a weekend yeah it fell on a weekend yeah okay and the application arrived the following monday or the following business day yeah application arrived like the decision came just yesterday and the processing time was like yeah, 100 I mean, days. The, the I-765 being delivered. So was 30 days from when the I-20 was issued. That's the required time that you have to submit the I-765. Yes. When yes. you calculated the 30 days, does the 30th day fall on a weekend? Uh, just, I'm just taking that. Okay. Um, I would say that would be the only hope probably for a motion to reopen being successful is if the 30-day deadline fell on a Saturday or Sunday because USCIS did clarify earlier this year that if a USCIS filing deadline falls on a weekend or a federal holiday where USCIS is closed, they will consider um, the actual deadline to be the following business day, which is usually the Monday after okay. um, that weekend. If that is the so, case and your 
5765 reached there on that following Monday, you might be able to file a motion to reopen. So what are the, like, uh, I have applied it on the weekday itself. So it's it, on the week. It was delivered on a weekday, but that was, it was delivered on day 31. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think a motion to reopen is going to be successful. USCIS is very strict regarding the OPT filing deadlines, and we haven't really, in our experience, we haven't seen them really be flexible or lenient on those. Um, okay. Yeah. What so are the other, yeah, what are the other options of the maintaining the status here? Uh, unfortunately, there aren't that many other options. Um, since your service has been terminated, you can pretty much only try reinstating your F-1 status, um, either through an application process, the I-539 filing, um, or departing the U.S. and coming back in. In both those cases, you'll have to repay the service fee, basically get a new I-20 with a new degree program and a new service record. Um, okay, so you it. can look into either reinstatement or departure and coming back on basically a new program. Yeah, got it. Thank you, Rebecca. Sure. Pages. Hey, hi. Uh, hi. I have posted a question on my mm -hmm. on the form. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it doesn't really matter whether your um, spouse is what visa status they are in now. Basically, when they're added to the I-140 petition, it doesn't really bind them to to anything. Um, it's mostly just the I-140 form asks for your spouse and children um, when you file the I-140 form. Even if you have U.S. citizen children or a U.S. citizen spouse um, that have no intention of filing for any immigration paperwork or anything like that, they're still supposed to be listed on the I-140. Um, so I would say that's fine to go ahead and list your spouse on the I-140. Her visa status doesn't matter. It doesn't require her to file the I-45 um, later along with you if she decides that she has her own independent basis for filing for the green card. She could still pursue that. Um, yeah, so I, I would say it should be fine to list her. Got it. So if I list her as a dependent on the I-140, she can still in the future go and file her yes. own independent yeah. uh, green card application. And mm -hmm. uh, the H-4 EAD, it doesn't have any relation with the I-140 dependent thing, right? No, no, it doesn't. Um, yeah, I think USCIS just asks for it for kind of data collection purposes to get an idea of each I-140 that's approved, how many um, you know, people may be getting green cards based on that one I-140 approval, but it's not binding. It doesn't require people um, listed as dependents to file the I-45 later. Um, also, you know, if you got married after the I-140 was approved, that spouse could still file the I-45 later when your priority date is current. So it it's not really binding in any way. I think it's just for UCI's data collection. Um, yeah, so I would go ahead and just list her. Got it. And uh, does she need to submit her documents as well uh, with no. mine? No. Okay. Yeah. The family members don't have to submit anything along with the I-140. Yeah. And it doesn't affect my priority uh, no. date, right? Okay. No. Cool. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Sure. Vivek? 
Yeah, hi, Rebecca. Uh, I put my question Google Sheets. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so before you file, well, I guess the L2 is not yet approved. So what is your current visa status? Uh, it's F1, I'm on OPT. Okay. And you're changing to L2. And is your OPT already expired, the EAD? Uh, no, it's only expiring next year in Feb. Okay, so right now you're working according to the EAD and you were going to just continue on L2 when that got approved. Um, and then you recently got selected in the lottery. Um, yes. Okay, so if your intention is to go with the H-1B, then um, you know, go ahead and have your H-1B employer file the application on your behalf before October 31st. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of up to you whether you want to cancel the L2 or not. You don't have to. Um, if you wanted to, you could let the L2 play out, have the H-1B, you still need the H-1B to be filed before October 31st. Otherwise you lose your chance of using this lottery selection. But um, what your employer can do if you want them to is to mark consular processing on the H-1B application that they file before the end of October. Um, then when it gets approved, that H-1B approval notice has no effect on your status at the moment if it was approved as consular processing. Um, that kind of gives you more control to decide when to activate your H-1B. If you want to, you can continue in OPT until next year. You can let the L-2 get approved, continue on L-2, and then at some point before the three-year H-1B approval expires, you would need to go for visa stamping, H-1B visa stamping to activate the H-1B, but it kind of gives you more control over when to switch to H-1B in that situation. And a lot of people in L-1, L-2 decide to do that because it gives them more control over when their H-1B starts. They have to make a trip to the consulate, but um, they can kind of decide when that goes into effect. Um, or if you are fine with you know not going on to L2 or um, not using up your OPT EAD, you can have your employer file the H-1B change of status application before October 1st as a change of status, have it go into effect October 1st, and you would just go straight from F1 to H-1B. If you go this route, then in that situation, you should have the L2 application withdrawn before it can be approved so that it doesn't interfere um, and you would just move from F1 to H1B directly. Okay, should I withdraw my L2 application, wait for it, or should I just continue with my H1 change of status from October 1st and then let the parallelly send a withdrawal for L2 or would L2 it's get automatically? It's up to you. Um, it's kind of up to your preference. You could do either way. I mean, the only advantage in doing the H1B consular processing and, you know, using as much time on your EAD and L2 as possible is that it kind of gives you potentially more time before your H1B six-year limit eventually runs out. You know, if you mm -hmm. start the H1B as a change of status on October 1st, 2023, your six years is basically going to run out in uh, 2029, um, October 2029, give or take however much time you travel. If you kind of maximize the use of your OPT EAD and L2 and you don't activate the H1B until you know the end of next year, for example, that'll give you kind of an additional year, but it's not really necessary. Um, it's just kind of your preference. You could do it 
either way. Okay, okay. So if I'm looking to immediately activate H1B October 1st, what should I do with my L2 COS? Go ahead and withdraw the L2 okay. um, as soon as possible, okay. because if it goes into effect after your H1B gets approved, it will kind of cancel out the H1B. Um, your okay. company would need to file a second H1B application for you pretty soon. So um, if you do want to go directly from F1 to H1B, go ahead and withdraw the L2 change of status as soon as possible. Okay, will that affect my H1B processing timelines? Like no. will UCIS withdraw that and then look at no. H1? H1's time sensitive. Okay. Yeah, it won't affect. Okay. okay. Next question. Suni? Suni? Yes. Uh, hi, I have filled Google Forms. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is fine. If you return December 15th and your advanced parole expires December 31st. So for the advanced parole, you just need to make sure that you are coming back before it expires. But as long as you're coming back before it expires, um, you should be able to use it. Just have your I-485 receipt notice with you when you are entering in case CBP asks for it. And, and it is pretty standard practice for a lot of ports of entry that if you're coming in with an advanced parole, they may put you into secondary inspection, basically, rather than processing you through the windows where everyone else is, they'll ask you to go into um, a room on the side and possibly wait there. Um, you might be asked more questions by an officer, um, but it's not anything to be concerned about. That's pretty standard at a lot of ports of entry for advanced parole. They just want to kind of, um, most of the time, all they're doing is looking up the status of your pending I-485 application to make sure it's still in process and not denied um, because it needs to be pending in order for the advanced parole to be valid. And I have applied for extension of my H-1B. So okay. even if I, I haven't got, so lately uh, it's a normal, it's not priority. So it's currently taking three to four months to get approval. Even if I get approval, can I enter with an, Advanced parole without stamp? Yes. Yeah, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. And will I, then I'll be on EAD, I think. I cannot go back on H1B. Um, it kind of depends so on the timing. If you come in on the advanced parole and then the H1B gets approved, I'd say mm -hmm. that H1B approval kind of puts you back in H1B status. If the H1B extension gets approved while you're outside the U.S. or before you enter on advanced parole, then coming in on advanced parole will kind of put you on the EAD. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yes, um, I wanted to ask that uh, I have uh, posted my question on uh, Google, uh, this one as well. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to ask um, now, now that I have been chosen, I mean, like my, I got my lottery selected in uh, the second round, but I have changed my employers. My last employer, laid laid me off so i have a new employer right now how do i save my h1b um unfortunately it's pretty difficult in this situation your h1b application can only be filed by the company that registered you in the lottery back in march so the lottery selection is company specific um, it can't be transferred between companies for the same employee so Unfortunately, the only way that you'll be able to use this selection is if your previous employer that laid you off is willing to file the H-1B application on your behalf, if they're willing to kind of bring you back on board. 
If they are and they're willing to file the H-1B application for you, then after it goes into effect on October 1st, you can always transfer that H-1B to a new company. Um, but in order to, to use the selection, it will require the, the filing by the company that, that submitted the registration initially. Um, actually, I right now I do not have an employer. I'm I'm looking for jobs, actually. So uh, does 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 that mean I should go back to my previous employer and ask him to hire me again? For, so you can. can. I mean, you can ask them, um, and that will be the only way that this H-1B selection will be usable is if they're willing to rehire you and file the H-1B application on your behalf. Otherwise. Basically, when you find a new employer, you'll need to wait until March 2024 and ask them to submit a lottery registration for you at that time. Oh, okay. So, for example, if if I get another employer other than my previous employer, um, can they both work it out? Like uh, uh, they can file my H-1B visa or something like that? So I would not have them really cooperate in any way. Um, so that's the H-1B uh, lottery petitioners are not supposed to kind of cooperate or um, coordinate with any other companies regarding the H-1B lottery process. So if your previous company is willing to file the H-1B application for you, it should be based on their wanting to rehire you. Oh, okay, I got that. Thank you so much. Sure. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I filed two H-1Bs, one with my current employer and other with the consulting firm. Uh, in the first round of lottery, uh, the, uh, the H-1 was picked with the consulting firm and I they filed the petition for me. In the second round, uh, uh, the H-1 was picked with my current employer. So I reached out to the uh, initial employer, the, the employer who filed my first H-1B. They said they'll withdraw the application. So can I withdraw that? and proceed with my current full-time employer? Um, you can, but it may not really fix the main problem, which is likely going to be that USCIS um, is probably going to mm -hmm. investigate one or both petitions due to the multiple registrations, um, which has been you know, pretty common since last year. They've been sending notices of intent to revoke or notices of intent to deny, kind of listing out the different companies that registrations were filed through for the same beneficiary. Um, so I have the offer letters, like all the LCAs, all, all of those mm -hmm. from the initial employer. So I can show all of them to the USCIS that I got offer letter from them. So I filed an H1B since uh, mm -hmm. I got a better offer, like in my, with my current employer, then I got a high class month and even my H1B was picked. I'm getting a better pay here. So I changed my mind and decided to stay with my current employer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know what to, I mean, all I can tell you is that from USCIS's perspective, it's still going to probably be something that they would uh, investigate um, due to the multiple registrations. So um, if you want to have an application filed by your current employer and withdraw the first one, you can try that. Um, but that I can't guarantee that that will you know, prevent a fraud investigation. So I would just cool. say you should have your current employer 
be aware, or, I mean, you're not required to tell your current employer anything, but just be aware that your current employer could at some point, either before their H-1B application gets approved or after, get it, they could get a notice from USCIS, basically, along the lines of what I described, saying that a registration is also filed by this company, this company, um, you know, provide proof that you didn't collude or cooperate with another company, um, that sort of thing. Okay, got it. And if I leave the initial registration as it is, and if even that, that gets approved as well, like if I get both of my H-1Bs approved, then even I'll have a chance to choose to which employer I want to work with on October 1st, right? You can, um, but like I said, just be aware that there is a possibility that USCIS will try to revoke one or both mm. of them in the future. Okay, got it. Thanks. Um, okay, I can take one last question. Let's see. Rahul Reddy? Yeah. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. Um, uh, my question is same as Pawan, whose I-765 form has been denied due to okay. applying late. So just my question is that if I get a new initial I-20 from a new another college, do I need to go for a new visa stamping? Um, I believe the only alternative to going to get a new visa stamp is to apply for reinstatement with USCIS, which okay. um, is through filing the I-539 form. Um I haven't done very many reinstatements. I believe it's not really recommended the reinstatement process because it takes so long. Actually, with the new premium processing option for the I-539s um, for F1 status, okay. that might be um, an okay option now. I just know in the past that we usually did not do F1 reinstatements through the I-539 filing because they took so long. And if it wasn't successful, okay. you wouldn't find out for a very long time, after which time you would have been in the U.S., you know, for several months out of status. Actually, with the premium processing option that just became available like a few months ago, um, that might be more of an option. Um yeah, so I would say probably um, discuss with your with the DSO that you are getting okay. the new I-20 program from and see what they recommend. Okay, uh, so just one other question, please. Uh, so uh, one of my friends has got his uh, OPT EAD card misplaced by the USPS and the USCIS uh, recommended to apply for a new one uh, again. Uh, but it has been already 61 days after their OPT start date and and the new application is still in processing. So if they get the card after 90 days of, of the start date of the OPT, what's their situation or what's their status? Um, yeah, that's pretty difficult because they're not supposed to have more than 90 days of unemployment, but they're also not supposed to start work without the actual EAD yes. in hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would just have him talk to his school DSO because okay. the DSO would sort of be the one that's supposed to be monitoring students, you know, unemployment accumulation during OPT and yeah. make them aware of the kind of unusual situation. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, sorry, we'll need to close the conference here for today. Um, sorry for the late start uh, initially, but the next conference will be tomorrow at 1130 Central Time. 
Um, and then if you do have uh, a more in-depth question or um, more to discuss about your situation, you can always make an appointment to speak one-on-one -on -one with one of our attorneys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites, rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.